You know, there are 96 ways the people of God are described in the New Testament. And church is only one of them. We are called salt, leaven, light, branches, citizens, Israel, elect, new creation, temple, building, bride of Christ, kingdom of God, and obviously many, many more. All describe something of what the church is to be and do. But none is more descriptive, more vivid than the body of Christ. Above all else, the church is a body. The people of God constitute a body, and it is some body. Let's see what Paul has to say about the body of Christ and body life as we conclude the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, beginning with verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, Paul has been discussing spiritual gifts and and how every Christian has been given a special gift, a special capacity for service in the church. And then he basically says, think about your physical body for a moment. You are one body, one person, yet you're made up of many parts. Now, we don't have time for an anatomy lesson this morning, so I'll not list all the parts of the body, uh, even if I could. But it's easy to see that our body is wonderfully put together. It's made up of hundreds, thousands, even millions of specialized parts from limbs to organs to tissues to cells to whatever. And each part of the body is special. It's important. It has a special job to do. But each part works in harmony with the rest unless we're sick. And all the parts make up one body. Well, Paul says Christ is like that. And for him to say that is a bit unexpected. You know, we probably expected him to say the church is like that. But after briefly describing the body, he says, so also is Christ. Now, he's not talking about Christ's fleshly body, the one that walked the streets of Palestine. He is talking about the church, the people of God, but he calls them, he calls us Christ. That's a powerful, powerful statement. He's stating that the people of God constitute Christ in the world today. We are Christ. We are the visible manifestation of His presence in the world today. 
And that certainly tells us something of the, the nature and the purpose of the church. You know, the church is much more than an organization that meets on Sundays. It's a body made up of many members that's in the world to continue doing what Christ did while on earth 2,000 years ago. It's a body that is to be effectively ministering, meeting needs of lost and lonely and, and sinful individuals. It's a body that is to show mankind what God is like. And that's what Jesus came to do, to show the world what God is like. He said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And now it's our job to let the world know what Christ is like and therefore what God is like. What an awesome responsibility we've been given. We are Christ in the world. We're to show the world what God is like, how He loves us, how He cares for us, and how He gives Himself up for us. We're to do those things, as did Christ. The church is a body on earth with a divine mission. And if you are a Christian, you are a part of that body. When you were baptized, when you surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, the Spirit made you a part of that great body. You were joined to Jews, Greeks, Slaves, free, rich, poor, blacks, whites. You were joined together with every other Christian in the world and made into one body. A body that is indwelt by the very presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Because when you became a Christian, the Spirit came to indwell you. As Paul puts it here, you drank of the Spirit. You took Him into your life. But you are not the only one in whom the Spirit dwells. He dwells in every born-again believer. And since it is the same Spirit that indwells us all, we are, in fact, one body. We share the same life-giving Spirit, and that makes us into one body. Now, when we became a body, we didn't lose our individuality. We are a body, but a body is still made up of many different parts. But a body isn't just a mass of cells. It's a highly organized system of individual cells, tissues, organs, and limbs. And each member, while a part of the whole, still has his unique job to do. And that's where spiritual gifts come into play. Not only does the Spirit make us into one, He also gives each one of us a unique function to play as part of the body. And that means even though I'm a part of some body, Christ's body, I am still uniquely and individually somebody. I'm important. This is amazing. What a picture of this church and who we are. Let's read on. 
I am somebody. If, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. You know, one of the real benefits of understanding spiritual gifts and in particularly recognizing that you have one, perhaps even identifying it, is that a real sense of worth comes with it. I have a gift. The Holy Spirit gave me a special gift to be used to minister to others. And that makes me important. That makes me somebody. Not just me, but you as well. The me is collective. We all have been given a gift. We are all special. I am more than just a church member. I am a unique Christian with unique gifts to be used in the ministry Jesus gives to me. Now that is exciting. That's exciting. However, since I have a unique gift, a unique function to perform as part of the body of Christ, that means my brother has a unique gift as well. And I must be very careful not to start comparing my gift with his gift. It's a natural thing to do, but it's deadly. How easy it is to say, oh man, I wish I had the gift you have. You know, yours is better than mine. You're more important than I am. Paul says that's ridiculous. The foot can't say to the hand, hey, no fair. I'm stuck down here in this smelly old shoe. And this guy walks on me all the time. I quit. If I can't be a hand with manicured nails and rings and bracelets and those neat, long, flexible fingers instead of these stubby toes, I'll just quit being a part of the body. That's ridiculous. Nor can the ear say, hey, I want to be an eye. You know, the most attention I got was when she pierced a hole in me. You get painted up and everyone says, my, what beautiful eyes. No one says, my, what beautiful ears you have. And besides, the, the eyes are more important. You know, if I, if I can't be an eye, I'll just quit being part of the body. Nobody will even notice that I'm gone. Now, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. If everyone were an eye... You wouldn't have a body. Years ago, I went out to California to a conference and uh, met an unusual youth minister out there. He told something that, that I've never forgotten. He said he uh, painted a football white. He turned it then into an eyeball, painting an iris and a pupil on it, and wrapped it up in a, in a blanket and took it to the youth group and walked around the youth group saying, Do you want to see my baby? And then they would peek in there and see this eyeball. And they'd be grossed out. And then he said, now, 
What if your this is what if your girlfriend was nothing but a big eyeball, and you took her out for a milkshake, and you propped her up in a booth across from you and tried to carry on the conversation, and all she did was stare at you, because that's all she could do. <laughs> he got his point across. It takes all of us to make a body, and every part. Is important. We all cannot be the same. If we were all the same, we would not be a body. And that's what Paul is getting at. Every part is vitally important to the life and ministry of the body. You are somebody. And something else. Not only are you what you're intended to be, You are where God wants you to be. He put you here today. You're part of Chatham Christian Church because he wants you here. He got you here because you're needed here to make that portion of the body work. And he doesn't give us more noses than we need. So if you're here You've got a job to do. You've got a reason for being a part of this body. That means you can say, I am a vitally important part of Chatham Christian Church. I am somebody. By the same token, that means your brother is important too. Let's read on. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness, whereas our seemly members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers All the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Paul says the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You know, what happens if you get something in your eye? Who gets it out? It's not the elbow. It's the hand. And if the eye sees something that's good for the body, who picks it up? It's the hand. Same for the head. Towering over the foot, thinking it doesn't need that lowly foot. But if the foot goes, the head's lying on the floor too. So we need each other. No one is so important in the church that they can do it all by themselves. And that includes the preacher. You know, without the whole body functioning, we're nothing but basically useless parts. Besides, who's to say which part is the most important? Look, Look at our body. 
a little seemingly insignificant pituitary gland the size of a thumbnail controls the balance of our whole hormonal system. And those areas of our body that we think aren't quite up to standards, what do we do with them? We, we lavish attention on them. Now, the word translated bestow actually means to clothe, to clothe with more abundant honor. We dress up the parts that we don't think measure up. We pay special attention to them. You know, if our shoulders are narrow, we get padded shoulders or whatever. You know, we pay attention to the parts that we don't think are quite, quite there. And that last phrase, our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness. Now, what, what does that mean? I, I hate to admit it. But I like the way the NIV puts it. <laughs> the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. That's kind of cool. So it is with the church. You know, a weak member, perhaps one who is physically weak or, or even dying, is often the source of inspiration for the entire church. How many times have we been amazed by the faith of a saint? Among us, who's, who's dying. It's a powerful witness. Or the member who isn't really what he wants to be or thinks he ought to be and who, who fails a lot but yet loves the Lord and wants to be used. That's a member that becomes the focus of our attention and encouragement and our love and becomes the stimulus for, for Christ-like compassion. You know, I... I'm always amazed by, by the way families care for special needs children. And I, I, I read their stories and I, I look at them and I, I just, I'm, I'm so humbled by what they do. And how that, that child, which many would think of as a burden, becomes a catalyst to some amazing things in that family. So it is in the church. So even if you don't think you're a positive part of the church, you become a positive part of the church if you allow the church to minister to you and to acknowledge who you are and what you are and how by working together we become Christ in the world. It's amazing. What about the senior saint who has reached the point in his or her life where he just can't be actively involved in a whole lot of things, but spends their time praying. We honor them. Bonnie tells me she goes over our fellowship list and prays for everybody. I got to admit, I don't think to do that. But she does. How cool is that? How cool is that? So it is in the church. Every part is extremely valuable. No one is taken for granted. And just as Jesus himself gave special honor to the widow who put her little two copper coins in the temple treasury, so God gives special honor to those who have less showy gifts, but, but faithfully exercise them. Everyone is important. We need each other. We depend on each other. We care for one another. We suffer with one another 
We share joys and honors with one another. I love our time of sharing birthdays. Now, some might think, well, that's kind of a waste of time in a formal worship service. No, it's, it's not. It's an important part of family life. We celebrate together. We cry together. We pray together. We sing or try to sing together. Okay? That's what family's about. That's what family's about. We need each other. And everyone is important. Everyone is important. And we're involved in each other's lives. At least we are if we consciously want to be a part of the body. You know, sad to say, some, some Christians don't want that. They want to stay on the fringes of the church. And this sounds negative. I thought about taking it out, but I left it in. <laughs> they want to be parasites on the body. Taking, but giving nothing in return. And you know, you can get a little taste of Jesus that way. But as long as you hold yourself apart from the body, you'll never know the real joy of body life. Don't settle for just a little taste of it. Get involved. We are somebody. I am somebody. You are somebody. And together we are Christ's body. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I show you still a more excellent way. Can't wait till next week. The excellent way. We are Christ's body. Collectively, the church constitutes the body of Christ. That means I am a part of Christ. And so are you. If I exercise the gift of prophecy, speaking forth the mind of God, I'm Jesus' vocal cords. That's cool. I like that. If you have the gift of, of helps, being there with a helping hand, you are Christ's hand. And so on. No matter what we do, we are a part of Christ's body. And obviously nothing is insignificant if it is a part of Christ. And again, no one of us can be Christ without our brothers and sisters. 
I may be the preacher of Chatham Christian Church, but Chatham Christian Church is not my church. I, we all say that improperly. Yeah. Oh, that's Rick's church. That's my church. Come on, come on to my church. It's our church. It's our ministry. You know, I can't be Christ by myself, obviously. I can't take his place in the community. I can't meet every need by myself. I don't have all the gifts. I'm just one part of the body. You make up the other parts. You know, I may have been given the gift of pastor-teacher, but I may not be the best mercy shower or server or encourager or even evangelist in the congregation. It takes all of us and all the gifts the Spirit gives us to effectively be the body of Christ. We all can't have the same gifts. If we did, we wouldn't be a body. So why do we often feel we must compete with each other and envy one another's gifts? Why do we tend to look down on a brother or sister who doesn't have the same gifts we have? It doesn't make any sense, not at all. The Corinthian church had turned itself into a circus of performers wanting the showy gifts, especially the gift of tongues. How silly was that? In fact, Paul will go on to point out that tongues would cease, that the gift of tongues was temporary in nature, and he wanted them to earnestly desire the greater gifts, gifts that would enable them to minister to one another and to a dying world. And when he tells them to earnestly desire the greater gifts, he's not telling individual Christians to wish they had the gifts deemed more desirable by a brother or sister. He's addressing the church as a whole. The verb used is plural. He's telling the congregation to desire the highest, fullest, most complete expression of Christ's person possible. Something that is only possible when individual members stop competing with each other and stop comparing gifts. When everyone recognizes that every part is vitally important and that it takes every part doing his or her part for the body of Christ to actually be Christ in the world today. You know, I don't know about you, but I can think of no higher purpose in life than to be a functioning part of the body of Christ. And every one of us, every one of us, can become a vital part of that body. And thankfully, we don't have to be especially talented individuals to become gifted parts of the body of Christ. All we have to do is give ourselves to Him just as we are 
and let him cleanse us, indwell us, and give us the gifts he wants us to have. Gifts that will enable us to be all he wants us to be. To be the body of Christ on earth.